Wednesday, May 8th. Welcome to Motley Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool 1, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argusinger. Happy Wednesday, guys. Hello, hello. Over the hump. Over the, we're not over the hump yet. No, this is the hump. This is the hump. Let's see if we can get through this. Then we'll be over the <laughs> hump. Uh, earnings Palooza rolls on. We will talk Whole Foods, Zillow, Disney, uh, and a very interesting report uh, involving Yahoo and Hulu. We will get to that. But let's start with Whole Foods. Second quarter profit rose 20%. Same store sales up 7%. Company announced a two for one stock split. I'm waiting, Jason, for something that is not awesome news. Uh, this just seemed like a really great quarter. So yeah, I, there wasn't really anything bad from this quarter to, 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 to see. I mean, they raised guidance. I mean, last, uh, last quarter they had offered yearly guidance of about two, $2.86 to $2.89 per share. And they raised that up a little bit. Or I'm sorry, they raised it to 286 uh, to 289 from 283 to 287 from the previous quarter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, basket size is up. Transactions are up. They're focused, uh, on one of, one of the things that Whole Foods is known for is their shrink reduction. And essentially what that is is they try to figure out ways to make sure that food doesn't go to waste, right. whether it's something from spoilage or from uh, you know inventory management, whatever whatever way that shrink reduction can be addressed, they address it. And so I, I thought it was interesting. A lot of times they'll, they'll use food and put them in, in their soups or restaurant offerings or whatever. Uh, they are taking advantage of social media to a degree here now. They tweeted and Facebooked out this, uh, this recent mango sale, a one-day flash sale for mangoes. Ended up selling 1.2 million mangoes in one day across all their stores. And I actually did the math here. That's like 3,800 mangoes per store. And, I mean, it's just mangoes, right? I mean, it's I just no say, deal. Well, I mean, mangoes it, are fine. Right. But. It's just interesting to me to see that they have, they have become so effective at doing this. Mango. And so I think that, number one, I applaud them for taking the initiative there. But, number two, I think it also goes to show that they have a genuine following in social media. So they're using that social media to their advantage to really be able to boost those sales and take care of of selling things that might not be moving otherwise. You know, they're, they're known for their produce and, and fruits and whatnot. So they're, they're really, I think, taking advantage of, of their connection with the general consumer. But, you know, they have about 350 stores now, continue to open up. They still see the market opportunity of about a 1,000 overall. So this is still very much a growth stock. Great quarter all around from Whole Foods, and you know, Jason and I both work on products that have recommended the stock, yes. and so, and I, I love the company. One thing that that is sticking with me a little bit uh, right now, I mean, you know, the stock price is over a hundred dollars. Yep, it's about a nineteen billion dollar market cap at that price, and I, I, you know, I do this comparison sometimes, and, and it just it really looks stark right now. So let's take a look at some of Whole Foods' supposed grocery competitors. You got Harris Teeter, which has two hundred stores. So, you know, somewhat less than Whole Foods' 350 stores. It's got a $2 billion market cap. Safeway has 1,650 stores, $6 billion market cap. Kroger's, 2,400 grocery stores, an $18 billion market cap, less than Whole Foods. If you add all of those stores and, and divide it into the market cap of those companies, those com- their Whole Foods' competitors' stores are trading for about $6 million per store. Whole Foods is at $54 million per store. That's a 9x difference. Now, I ask, um, 
Is Whole Foods nine times more valuable than those stores? Well, I would Is the argue. experience nine times better? Well, I it, it, No, I don't think it's that much better. I do think it's better, but I would argue that, I mean, with Whole Foods, because to your point, I mean, I think that the low-hanging fruit in this market is has been picked. I mean, when you go to a Whole Foods versus a Publix versus a Safeway, all of these stores are offering organic offerings now. And so what once was a very specialized sort of niche play in Whole Foods now, you can get pretty much anywhere. So they are, I mean, this is this is turning into very much a marketing story in my in my eyes. And John Mackey has done a tremendous job marketing the brand and conscious capitalism and whatnot. And and that's my one reservation, truthfully, about Whole Foods, because number one, I, I do believe they can eventually get to that thousand store uh, threshold there. But we do have to remember, this is a grocery store. These things run on razor thin margins. Right. And when you're setting a record operating margin at seven and a half percent, well, then you have to wonder, really, what does the future hold for them? Will they be able to to go much higher than that? They t- they tend to believe that that's going to be sort of the level where they can they can keep it out. So they're they're re- they're resorting to other opportunities, and they've talked about opening up a full spa offering out in Austin, Texas, and and pursuing potentially that line of business. So I think it's turning into very much a marketing story, and they're going to have to do that really to justify this kind of a multiple in the coming years. And let's be clear: shares are up this morning. The stock's at a new all time high, but. 24 hours ago, the stock was, you know, it, it's not like this stock has been on fire recently. No, um, it's come back it, a lot. I think it was up only about 1% year to date. And compare that to the market being up 14% year to date. Now, again, obviously it's popped today and, and that's great and all. But it does sort of seem like, uh, again, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a shareholder. I'm obviously having a good day in that regard. Yep. But I do look at... Things like, hey, we have 350 locations. We want to grow to a thousand, and immediately, I think, over what time frame? Mm-hmm. And don't you have to go into much smaller locations? It's one thing to be crushing it in major cities, but I, I don't see Whole Foods having this kind of success, particularly with the one down the street that has a bar in it, which is which. Uh, you know, I, I haven't actually been there. <laughs> Um, but seriously, like I look at that and it's like, that's great. But I can't imagine a small town Whole Foods having that kind of success. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's, that's going to be the problem. I mean, a, a store in, in, you know, in downtown Manhattan is going to do much more than a store in Montpelier, Vermont. And, and I think that's exactly what they're facing. So the revenue per store and the, and presumably the margins per store as well is, is going to have to come down. And I just, it sticks with me that, that Whole Foods, Although it offers so much more, it is a, it is a, it is in many ways a restaurant company more than a grocery company. That it still though should be valued at nine times the average store of its competitors. It, it worries me a little bit. I still love the stock, love the company. Zillow's first quarter revenue was a record thirty nine million. That's up seventy one percent year over year. They had record traffic, uh, more than fifty million unique visitors in this last quarter. Uh, why is the stock down 10% this morning <laughs> if they had such a great quarter? What's going on here? really was a great quarter. You know, part of it, I think, is is the stock is up. It's been a monster winner over the last year. I think it's up over 100% in just the last three or four months. And it did get a, bu- a bump last week from the Truly Resorts, uh, results. Right. Uh, so, you know, in a lot of ways, I think this is almost a bit of a, of a you know, buy on the rumor, sell on the news, great results, but let's take some money off the table. At the same time, uh, CEO Spencer Raskoff did say the company's going to be doubling down on advertising spend from this the current quarter through the end of the year. That's going to hit their earnings a little bit in the short run. He thinks that's a great investment. I do as well, because I think they're seeing just the, the huge growth in, in uh, unique visitors to their site, but also in their premier agents. 
uh, business, which is now the, essentially becoming their core business. This is where agents pay Zillow to get onto their platform to get better uh, more advertising opportunities, more local advertising. Uh, and this is this is huge. They, I mean, they added uh, something like 4,600 new premier agents to this business. And that's that's a subscription business, very high margin. So we were talking uh, this morning, Jason, about LinkedIn and the difference between what they make off of companies who are right. paying them tens of thousands of dollars uh, to, to have access to their services versus what they make off individuals who are paying you know ten bucks a month or whatever it is. I don't even know because I'm I'm not a premium member. <laughs> um, bringing it back to Zillow, Matt, is that really the same type of situation that Zillow is going after where the majority of their money is going to be made off of the, these agents? It is. It is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they, they have various tiers to this subscription, but they're, they're getting about $275 in, uh, annual revenue from each of these subscribers. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the business. I mean, if you're, if you're signing up thousands of these new agents every quarter who are paying you $100, $200, $300 a year, to get onto their platform, that's that's a great business. It's, it's exactly what LinkedIn's doing. Let me ask a nitpicky question: um, wh- Why can't they get their information right? <laughs> we, I mean, we all all joking aside about the Zestimate, uh, right. or as Z estimate, or yeah, maybe it's Z estimate. Um, <laughs> it just, I mean, one of our colleagues, uh, one of the new guys in the uh, the analyst development program, just put his house on the market, and I said, "Oh, how's it going?" He's like, "Well, you know, they they got the information wrong." I'm like, "But." How I mean, it's yeah. a, it seems like I'm a, a nitpicky thing, but uh, it's not nitpicky. But, but That's how, why you're going there. You want the information. No, it is. It, it, it's it's how big a problem is this? I, um, it's a minor problem because okay. so apparently talking to Zillow is that they sort of update their database on a weekly basis. So you know, depending on what what you know what happens or what changes. But I, I've experienced this as well. I mean, I I have a house on there that I've. I'm supposedly the owner because I've owned it in Zillow, and I've changed the data several times now, and somehow it it keeps changing. You know, in terms of number of bedrooms and bathrooms, I really don't care because I'm not in the market or anything. But I think that is a legitimate concern. I think there are some data quality issues. You know, at the same time, it's also what's great about their business because they're they're paying essentially nothing for this because they're getting it all you know from local uh, states and municipalities, and they're also depending on their users to update it on for free. So at the same time, you know. How much more would they have to pay to actually make sure that data is is high quality? Eh, you know, right now, given the pullback in the stock today, and keeping in mind the great run that it's had over the past year or so, what do you think about the stock today? Do you look at this as a buying opportunity? Do you adopt a little bit more of a wait and see strategy to see how this advertising mm-hmm. uh, uh, push plays out for them? Yeah, I, I'm. I think it was a great quarter. I'm much more on the on the idea that let's let's wait till next quarter. Let's see, yeah, what this advertising spend is. Let's see. Let's make sure there's no drop off in unique visits to the site or in their premier agent business. If that's the case, then I would even buy on good news next quarter, uh, you know, even if the stock pops. Disney's second quarter profit up 32 uh, percent. Studio revenue was up. Parks and resorts was up. Media networks was. Was up and yet the shares down slightly today. Yeah, this, slightly. I, I mean, don't, is this it, it, is this one of those situations where all of the greatness was already baked into the stock price? I think that's a reasonable assumption. I mean, the stock has been on fire lately, and so it's it, to, to your 
point. I mean, it's down maybe what a percent and a half today. Yeah. So that's not too terribly bad. Uh, but yeah, it, it was priced for for some full expectations, and they delivered. I think, and really, the big story here is is the park segment. And the park segment was just unbelievable. The revenues up somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen, fourteen percent, or something like that. But the operating income, which was up around seventy three percent, which just goes to show that they're really able to take take advantage of everything they already have in place and, and the more traffic and the more tickets they sell just the more money that trickles down to the bottom line and so you saw um, attendance up 8% and spending from that attendance up 10% so more people are going and they're paying more to get there and then they're spending more while they're there and uh, as I know that at least I've been to Disney World I believe you have been as I well bet, yeah. Mac is going to be returning again soon Maddie, have you ever been to Disney World? I have not been to Disney World. Well, so three of the four of us can vouch for once you get in there, <laughs> you know you're going to be spending something. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, was and, the, uh, that, that was the advice I got from uh, uh, Bill Mann and Bill Barker. They said, look, just let go. Capitulate. Just let go of any notion that you're not going to spend an insane amount of money. Just <laughs> embrace that and have fun. And, and once you let go of that, you'll have a much better time. I and, think it, I think it really does. It magnifies the, the enjoyment of the, pro, of the whole, <laughs> of the whole time. And, and so I, you know, I, I think that they will continue to do really well with the parks. They've done a great job of really spreading that all around the world. Uh, and then the studio segment, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about Iron Man 3. Yep. Uh, just making a killing, going to be the first uh, billion-dollar movie this year. Uh, and then the studio segment, I just kind of got a kick out of this from the call because they talked about how the studio segment performed so well with Oz the Great and Powerful and uh, one of our favorites of the year, Wreck-It Ralph. wreck Ralph, sure. Uh, but comping over the failure that was John Carter yeah. from a year ago. So it was kind of an easy comp there. But, mm-hmm. you know, they flew past that with two really successful films. My girls saw the, the Oz movie. They liked it. And, uh, and, and Wreck-It Ralph is, is one that we'll probably see again in our house very soon. So yeah, a lot of different ways they make money and, and they're really making a lot of it. And, and that's why the stock is where it's at today. Here is a point of concern, and I say this as a shareholder, Bob Iger, who's just done a phenomenal job as CEO, was being asked about their network revenue, in particular ABC. And we've talked before about how much money they make off of ESPN, etc. And he talked about how ABC is facing lower ratings. Um, he wants ABC to be less reliant on acquired content and uh, the 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 exact quote was, we could use a few more hits and hits that we own. Now, sure, that's, every network would love a few more hit TV shows and particularly ones that they developed on their own and that they own all the rights to. That's not an easy fix. No, it sounds like and, he's got and a we've talked, MVP. we've talked before about how Disney dealt with the recession in terms of making the parks more attractive, um, uh, offering deals, that sort of thing. I just look at that challenge. Versus this challenge with the ABC network, and I think you know what that that's not something you're going to be able to fix quickly or easily or no. without spending a lot of money, and that to me is the you know if what's the opposite of a silver lining a dark lining that is the dark <laughs> lining on an otherwise you know beautiful cloud the is rusty that lining the, yeah is that the the challenges they're facing with ABC, I don't see those being fixed anytime soon. Well, I think there's a there's a, a, a general problem with the networks, um, although we know CBS and NBC are, seem to be doing fine, but the idea that those advertising slots are so valuable. And so studios have to really, they, they, they take a long time to make decisions on what shows to put in those slots, but the whole phenomenon of, of on-demand TV and um TiVoing and things like that is that customers can sort of wait to see which show is going to gain traction. So you know what? I see ABC advertising a new show that's premiering on Tuesday night. Well, you know what? I'm going to tape it. 
And if it gets bad reviews and they don't renew it and it only lasts three shows, well, I'm never going to watch it. Right. But think, what, think about what that does is the show never actually gets watched because everyone's waiting to see if it's going to be a hit show, yeah. but it never has a chance to be a hit because no one's watching it. And so if and with ABC's case, if you're already in a position where you don't have a lot of hit shows, so you can't have a show that leads into advertising a new show, it is very. I think it's going to be very, very hard to turn them around. Whereas we talked about AMC, FX, some of the, the cable networks, they have they have a lot of free reign to to experiment and try yeah. new shows because those advertising budgets are so much smaller. Yeah, and I think that's just it. I mean, the AMC, the FX effect, HBO, even Netflix to a degree now with their success on House of Cards. I think that you know Iger was was making that point that he all of a sudden maybe it's not all of a sudden I'm sure they realized the power of owning that that powerful content, that great content because you can you can own it. And then you can, you can extend the life of it by by selling it to other outlets to distribute later on. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's not something that's just you don't just say it and then do it. It takes time. It takes a lot of money. You're going to have some misses with those hits. And so I, I don't know. I think they I think they're better sort of really focusing on the ESPN factor there. And they continue to really kill it there. They just they signed that 20 year deal with the SEC, which I think is going to be tremendous. Yep. Advertising was up four percent with ESPN, and, and really to me. Yeah, that's one of their bread and butter staples. They just need to keep. They need to keep investing in ESPN. All Things Digital is reporting that Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer has met with top executives at Hulu, and keeping in mind that she was at Google when Google made a last-minute bid to get YouTube. And by the way, they they snatched YouTube from Yahoo because y- Yahoo was bidding on YouTube at the time. Uh, what do we think of this? Is this, is this a good idea? If, if Yahoo buys Hulu, they're gonna have to shell out a heck of a lot of money to get it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it gets some entry into probably four million more households or devices. I guess. I mean, I, I'm a Hulu subscriber, and and I, I was going to say it gets them n- like not it. just households; it gets them paying members. Right. I mean, I I like it because it's sort of that you, you do get the new content factor. Um, I, you know, I kind of wonder if this isn't her effort to have sort of their YouTube moment. I think they realize what Google uh, has done with YouTube and that YouTube is now going to be pursuing uh, subscriptions, uh, trying to monetize that model. It's obviously pervasive on every single device that, that is out there. And I think maybe she is, is considering that as, as an option with Hulu because it is built. People understand it. They've used it. They know it. They, they see that Green H app and they know what they're getting there. It, that's a really tough game, though, because then all of a sudden you're beholden really to all of these content producers, and and you're going to be you're going to be another another player in that in that game of of making bids for content. And and they made the bid obviously for Saturday Night Live, and they got all of the exclusive rights to every Saturday Night Live out there, and that's going to be something that that will be exclusively on Yahoo now, and that's great. I mean, I like SNL. Uh, I just, I just don't know that well, this is necessarily what they need to be doing. It's also tricky too, because I mean, we got, we have News Corp, Disney, and Comcast, who I think each own a piece of Hulu. Right. Yeah. And so Yahoo comes in and doesn't have any of its own content. And what's the deal going to look like? Is it going to, you know, how much of it is it going to buy? And what's the content relationship going to be with the, the previous owners? Or if they, could they, you know, so I, this is a really tricky deal. And, and Hulu itself, uh, although it's, it's, it's popular, has 4 million households, yeah. I guess, according to Comscore, it's not even in the top 10 video sites anymore. No. Which is interesting to me. And so, is Yahoo late to the game here and also playing second fiddle? Well, then further, if they want to try to turn it into a YouTube where they're able to, to offer, uh, individuals like us the opportunity to build our own channel or upload our own content, I mean, that's, there's a bit of a switching cost there because people are, are so ingrained in YouTube as it stands already. So, 
is it even worth my time to go from YouTube to Hulu if they decided to pursue that strategy? So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems like there are a lot of, a lot of ifs, ands, or buts involved with this, and I, I'm just not sure it'd be the prudent deal. It sure would make the battle for the living room all that more interesting. Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. All right. <laughs> we will keep our eyes on that one. Jason Moser, Matt Argusinger, guys, thanks for being here. Thank thanks. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.